Hello and welcome back to the F2 show. What an action-packed weekend of motorsport in Jeddah. Five safety cars, two red flags, a double winner, and that's just Formula 2. Formula 2 delivered yet again, and obviously joining us to discuss everything is Inside F2 editor LA Wilshaw and Inside F2 writers Ed Spencer and Lawrence Griffin. Coming up on the show then, we dissect all of the drama from a chaotic weekend of Formula 2 action. Four rookies took to the track for the first time this weekend. We discuss our rookie of the week. And Oscar Piastri took another step closer to the Formula 2 title. We take a look at the championship standings off the back of this weekend. But before all of that, obviously a bit of a chaotic feature race in Formula 2. So let's clarify the result for you. Oscar Piastri wins his second race of the weekend ahead of Robert Schwartzman and Ralph Boschong, who gets his first podium uh, in Formula 2 after five years. Well done to him. Uh, obviously, our championship contender, Guan Yu Zhou, finished fourth uh, ahead of his UNI virtuosi teammate, Felipe Dragovic. Yuri Vips, Christian Lungard and Marcus Armstrong round out the top eight. Liam Lawson and Dan Tiptum at ninth and tenth. And obviously only half points were awarded for the race due to the amount of laps that we've done. And obviously a chaotic start of that race as well due to uh, the collision obviously involving Taro Pulcher and Enzo Fittipaldi. Uh, we hope that they're okay. We wish them well because that was obviously quite a nasty shunt. I think I've done enough talking now. So LA, let's come to you first. What did you make of it all? I honestly just don't know where to start. I really don't. Um, what a sort of action-packed, crazy, but exciting, but disappointing weekend as well uh, for many, many reasons that obviously we're going to talk about during this podcast. But, um, you know, I think if I get my stats right, and Ed's the stat man, really, but I think there were three restarts in Sprint Race 1, three restarts in Sprint Race 2. We had two red flags today in the, in the feature race. and it, uh, how we're going to pick this apart is 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 it's basically impossible isn't it it's basically impossible but we're going to give it a go we're going to give it a go crazy weekend lawrence obviously first time in Jeddah. we spoke on the preview um about the track and about what we could expect how did it match compared to you know what you imagined it to be like and how it's actually ended up this weekend i think it was probably quite similar to what we first assumed exciting racing um, but perhaps slightly on the dangerous side um, and plenty of opportunities for there to be incidents. And that's, you know, exactly like we, what we got, just like um, LA has just mentioned with the amount of restarts we had, it was chaotic. And that element of peril did cause issues with the amount of incidents we had sort of interrupting the flow of the race at times. Um, yeah, the start being the start of the uh, feature race, being uh, delayed due to the repairs to the walls on the exit of turn 13, 14. Um, that was really disappointing. That's, you know, that wasn't ideal ahead of the feature race. That basically removed any tolerance in the time schedule for red flags once proceedings got underway in the feature race. And with the length of the feature race and the track being how it was, that was always possible for that to happen. Um, so that was a real shame. So I think it was slightly marred by that, by that element but it did give us some exciting racing and and plenty of action, although perhaps not as much as we might have had on a on a more conventional circuit, just because of the amount of times it was interrupted. Um, so yeah, I have mixed feelings about this uh, this track now. I'd say. 
Yeah, it, yeah, it, it definitely was, you know, great racing at times, but also frustrating, wasn't it? Ed, were you a little bit frustrated, at, uh, especially the feature race? You know, it, it's, it's it's disappointing not to get uh, the, the the feature race kind of underway or, you know, got underway properly. I mean, we had 10 minutes, really, of racing, didn't we? It, it, it was annoying, but everyone got out of their car safe and sound, and that's the main thing, especially with considering what happened to both Enzo and uh, Teo, and we wish them all the best in their recoveries uh, tonight. It was a bit like F2 meeting bumper cars at the front there. Everyone seemed to be crashing into each other. Everyone seemed to be banging into each other. It was nuts. And it's really been the story of the whole weekend. Big ac- big accidents. We had accidents in practice. Uh, Samira and Leather crashed into each other a couple of times. We had Armstrong getting punched off by Novelak. And, of course, the feature race, which was nearly not even started because of an issue, I believe, it was something to do with race control. And then the race itself, which barely had, which barely started. We had a few clean laps of racing before, it went, before we had a safety car and then we had another safety car. Mental, to, to put it quite on, to put it quite frankly, it was a mental feature race and probably one of the craziest uh, of the F2 era, considering that, you know, in GP2, this was it the norm and particularly I remember in Abu Dhabi when there was a a massive pileup and the race got completely cancelled so it was like a return to the old days yeah it really was crazy wasn't it let's take a look at the driver's standings then off the back of this weekend heading into the last rounds next weekend Oscar Piastri extends his lead at the top even further to 51 and a half points obviously the half point given out today uh, and he can win the title in Abu Dhabi Robert Schwartzman jumps ahead of Guan Yu Zhou into second in the championship after a tough weekend for the Chinese driver. Eventful weekend for Dan Tictum, Taylor Porsche. We're going to talk about them in a minute, but they round out the top five. In the team standings, the result of the feature race meant that Prima won the 2021 team standings. A massive congratulations to them, and that's two years in a row for them as well. So huge congratulations to them. Thoroughly well deserved. But it's still all to play for with Carlin, you and I, and High Tech all still hopeful they can secure second place in the team standings. Okay, let's start with Oscar Piastri then. Obviously, everything just keeps on falling into place for him, doesn't it, LA? He's looking like, well, he's 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 almost there, isn't he? Yeah, of course, he's almost there. He's got his sort of hands almost on that trophy. And I, th- I think it has looked pretty certain for him uh, for, for quite a long time, uh, the last, latter part of the season, because he just seems to be the most consistent driver, no matter what's thrown yeah. at him. Um, but, you know, he's had the five wins in Bahrain, Monza, Sochi, and the, uh, the two this weekend in Jeddah. And he's had his P3 at Silverstone, his P2s, double at Monaco, Baku which is nine, is nine podiums at the end of the day. And these are the stats that then add up to you becoming the champion. Um, I think there's only been one race, again, this is, this is Ed's territory, that uh, he's he's been out of the points and that was Bahrain and one retirement as well in Baku. So, you know, the stats speak for themselves. He's, he's obviously going to be champion and he's going to be a rookie champion. And as we know, there's only Charles Leclerc and uh, George Russell that have achieved this um, massive feat before. And, um, you know, and I think it's really good that we've got another potential F1 world champion here because at the end of the day, we know Charles Leclerc's a potential F1 champion and we know that George Russell is, even though he's not quite had the opportunity to, to show everybody what he can do yet. So, you know, Oscar's... Uh, 
definitely in in following the right path here for his own dreams into Formula One. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the thing, Ed, isn't it? It's the the progression that Oscar Piastri is showing. Obviously, wins the Formula 3 championship, doesn't get a pole in that season. Uh, but here he is, rocks up four poles in a row. Uh, he's obviously, you know, one, you know, the, the last three weekends, a double win this weekend. He just keeps getting better and better, doesn't he? And that's what you want from a Formula 2 driver, someone that's learning all the time and someone that then is, is progressing all the time. Definitely. And you know, Formula One has George Russell as Mr. Saturday, Oscar Piastri as F2 answer, F2's answer, and is really Mr. Friday. He's been outstanding since the word go. He's got used, he's got adapted to that car fairly quickly. And Barbarain, which was a bit of a challenging first weekend, he has been rock solid since then. Ever since Silverstone, he's almost looked unbeatable. And if you look at the, the rookie champions, if you combine GP2 and F2, the likes of Rosberg, Hamilton, McClurk, uh, Russell, they've all gone on to be amazing drivers in Formula One. And he's on the right trajectory. It's a shame that Alpine, you know, unfortunately there's no room for him next year in Formula One, but I think he can be definitely proud about how he's moved up the ranks and he's in a good place for 2023 and beyond. And I think he will be a future world champion. Where he goes in 2023, I don't know. But he's been outstanding since since Silverstone and I, I think he's a very worthy champion when he does eventually get that name engraved on the World Championship trophy. How, how close is he, Lawrence? Is it, you know, one hand, a hand and a half? How close is he? Uh, and when he does win the championship, you know, I say when, you know, we're assuming that he's not going to be caught now. Where would you rank him in, you know, compared to other Formula, Formula 2 champions? We talk about, obviously, George, George Russell, Charles Leclerc there. Where does he rank? Yeah, so yeah, to answer your first question, if it's a bit like he's got two hands on the trophy and it's his really. A meteorite might hit him, but otherwise it's it's his. Um yeah, it's to put in another analogy, it's like a snooker game. There's he's fifty-one and a half points ahead with sixty-five points still on the table, and all of the balls in the exact right position for you to clear up. And that's exactly what he's going to do. There's potential mathematically for it to all go horribly wrong. And with the format that we have, if he has a total disaster in qualifying in Abu Dhabi, um, if he were to crash or if he were to get a puncture, just like Dan Tictum got this weekend, that could lead potentially to a pointless weekend for him. But even then, Schwarzman or Joe, Joe would have to have an absolutely perfect weekend. Schwarzman would have to have a near perfect weekend to be able to overhaul that that deficit. So I think it's it's almost certain now for Piastri, but yeah, it's not over until it's over. Um, in terms of how Piastri would rank, I think I think he would rank right up there with the likes of, of George Russell and, and Leclerc. I think you could have a strong argument to put him above all of those drivers. Exactly what you were saying there with the progression to go from not having pole positions to having four consecutive pole positions in Formula 2 to learn at such a rate and to have that consistency and to deliver throughout a season that's been so broken up with gaps in the calendar, that shows real maturity. And that process of learning long-term is what could make him a Formula 1 world champion. That's what everybody sees in Russell and his <laughs> maturity and how he goes about his work. Um, so I think... 
I think Piastri is at the very least in terms of his talent up up there with with the likes of a of a Leclerc or a Russell. Um, and yeah, I agree. I expect him to win a world championship one day if everything goes right for him. Good drivers before have been stopped from getting to the highest level of Formula One. I hope that doesn't happen to him. Um, but we can only we can only wait and see. Yeah, and, and obviously in terms of his title rivals, uh, Robert Schwartzman has, has become his his closest rival, if you like. A, a good weekend for him, making him the you know the number one contender, at LA. Even if we're saying it's not really a contender, but he he has moved second in the championship, hasn't he? He has. I mean, we all know the bright start that he made last season, you know, the dark horse that, that came and I had him as a dark horse as well because, uh, you know, I'd received some inside tips there. If, if, I mean, we all know that he was F3 champion, of course, but, you know, I'd received some tips on, on how good, you know, great he was and that went to show, you know, in, in last season um, and, and it was a shame really that he didn't sort of finish higher and he had he had a few issues in a few different races that, that we know about and we talked about last year. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Again, this season, he, he's right on the heels of Oscar Piastri. You know, he's only had two retirements this season. He's only finished two races out of the points this season. Um, he's had some bad qualifying sessions, so also not so good qualifying uh, results, which is possibly why he isn't leading. But you sort of think ifs and buts, if he'd have had better qualifying sessions, would he actually be leading this championship right now? And I kind of think the answers yes um you know he's 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 raced 16 races in the points this season and that's again mammoth that that's again that's a championship winning statistic if you like it's just that Oscar's just done that a little bit better because he's not been as unlucky or you know um it, Robert mentioned something about there were there were issues seemed to indicate might be even sort of car purposes rather than personal reasons of why he's not qualified that well and as soon as they started to understand the issues for qualifying you know he's got better um so yeah if it wouldn't be a surprise to me Next weekend, if what's just been said, Oscar has a no points weekend the whole weekend. And what's going to happen? We're all going to get slapped in the face with Robert Schwartzman winning the championship. Can you imagine? You are right, though, that it's, it's qualifying that, that has let him down a little bit, hasn't it? So I'm sure, I mean, I, I, you know, we don't know what Robert Schwartzman is going to do for next year. Uh, we would love to see him back in Formula 2. And if he was back in Formula 2, I think that's where he probably needs to work on when it in qualifying to make that happen. Ed, obviously, Guan Yu Zhou, he's, he's, he's not, it's not been a great weekend for him, has it? Obviously, uh, was spun around, at, uh, well, corner one, two, uh, in between the both, really. Uh, yeah, uh, this weekend is is he is he buckling under the pressure a little bit is that a bit harsh does he ha- but my, my argument would be does he have any pressure i think he doesn't because he's got a formula one drive in his back pocket he knows that regardless of what happens and he's going to race in formula one next year he's achieving his dream and i think the pressure is off but this weekend was pretty dismal um the incidents at turn one with i believe it was lungard was him trying too hard and seeing a gap that wasn't there and of course it ruined his race and it ruined his second sprint race and he didn't really have a chance to make his way through the field in the feature so definitely his worst weekend to date although Sochi was hardly anything to shout home about but I don't feel the pressure is getting to him I think he's kind of he's accepted he's probably not going to win the championship because Piastri 
as we've said, is so far ahead that only a miracle such as, you know, possibly Christ the Redeemer turning up on the track on Sunday after Sunday morning and stopping him uh, would take, would stop, would stop Oscar Piastri from winning the championship. But I feel that, you know, he doesn't have that much pressure anymore. He probably knows that he's going to be second or third. And I think he's accepted that. And I think he knows that whatever happens, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something what Piastri, Schwartzman, Lundgaard aren't doing, and that's moving up to Formula One. So I don't think he has that, that worry anymore. Yeah, hopefully he has a good final weekend in Formula Two next weekend because uh, obviously been in the in the in the Formula in the category for for, for three years now. So we wish him all the best. Uh, and obviously two very mixed weekends for for, for Terry Porcher and, and Dan Tickson. Obviously we said at the top that we hope Terry Porcher is okay after a, a bit of a nasty uh, incident. But he showed he had pace again in in qualifying um, and one of the sprint races. He, he, he you know he was doing well until obviously he crashed. Uh, and Dan Tickson was you know not a great qualifying, but again. He was fighting his way back, wasn't he, Lance? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, first and foremost, um, what matters more than anything else is that Teo Pocher is okay. Um, it, it looked like a like a, a serious incident, um, and I really hope that he is he is safe and well um, where he's being treated. Um, but yeah, he qualified an excellent third on Friday. Um, really impressive performance. There's a lot of challenges with learning a new track. Um, you know, as somebody as young as him, first season in the in the sport. Um, but yeah, of course, that crash in the in the sprint race, um, you know, really made his weekend more complicated. Although he staged a great comeback in the second sprint race, um, and then you know it could be built into a picture of a really good weekend overall as he lines up P three in the feature race. But of course, he stalls and isn't involved in that in that terrible incident um in terms of of Tictum's weekend that puncture really cost him um and that's a, a real shame for him um because who knows what he might have been able to do without that again he did well to re- recover move up to seventh in in the first sprint race um and then got a really good fourth place in the second sprint race um there was a lunge um on Jack Doohan going into the final turn which you really made me hold my breath at first it was a it was an enormous lunge um but he got it stopped brilliantly and made a wonderful pass um and then ended up 10th in in that absolute mess of a, of a feature race so yeah overall quite a good weekend and he's he's now fourth um in the overall standings and within touching distance of Guan Yuzhou and, and who would have imagined that the driver going to Formula One next season is at risk of being overtaken by the driver who was never really in the conversation for a Formula One seat after he's dropped by Williams. So as he moves over in the future to, to Formula E, I think that would that would be really satisfying for him as an illustration of the talent that he's got if he were able to to climb up to third in the in the championship. And he, he really does have an opportunity to do that. He has the pace and Joe over the last couple of rounds has looked a, a bit shaky the consistency in his performance just hasn't been there so yeah um he'll look forward to take advantage of of that situation 
Yeah, it's all right, LA. We won't talk too much about Dan Six and moving on because we don't want to. We don't want to upset you too much. But <laughs> exactly. Um, but obviously, yeah, Terry Pochet. He's been in the wars this year, and he obviously a, a wrist injury uh, earlier on in the year, and then and then today. So wishing him well, wishing Enzo Fittipaldi well as well. Uh, sticking with you, Lawrence, our other winner this weekend, Marcus Armstrong, had a brilliant, uh, well, brilliant start to Sprint Race One. Obviously, didn't he dive down the inside of Liam Lawson uh, and a great drive, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Um, it was a brilliant move up the insides. The, the first race start, a new track, the first time heading into turn one in, in that manner, um, on all of the dust on the inside. You know, we've seen so many incidents at this track with how narrow it is and so many turn one incidents. Of course, he ended up crowding Liam Lawson off the circuit potentially a little bit, but that that's always going to happen with a, a car on the outside there. Um yeah, we maybe felt this sort of performance was was due for for Armstrong. He's he's not had the best season, and I think there's always been a feeling that he has that talent in in the bag. And so I'm really glad for him that he could finally deliver on that. Um, of course, then he was quite unfortunate to be taken out in the second sprint race by Clement Lovelack, I believe. Um, he ended up eighth. Um, and started ninth in the in the feature race after what had been a good good qualifying for him um so again um slightly unfortunate weekend but yeah the way in which he performed in that first sprint race that move up the inside that was crucial um so that was really nice to see from armstrong yeah, really good weekend for him. And as you say, he's uh, obviously got a lot of talent and hasn't quite shown it this year. So really good for him. And another person, probably in a similar kind of bracket, really, Jay Handerubler, obviously led for so long in the sprint in the second sprint race, uh, was pipped to it by Oscar Piastri in the end. Uh, obviously, he was penalised for, for, for going off the track at Turn 1 and obviously keeping that position, LA. Do you think that was a bit harsh? No, I don't. I think, unfortunately, rules are rules. And I think... When Jahan looks at the, at the video later on, uh, on the way to Abu Dhabi, I think he'll realise that as, as harsh as it is, it was the fair penalty. He gained an advantage by going off the track at turn one and he didn't give the position up to Oscar until later on uh, in the race. So unfortunately, it's, it is what it is for him. He drove a great race, but that lockup cost him dearly. And it's been really the story of a derubalist season that he's, had the pace on his day, he can really show it, but he just doesn't quite have the luck or, you know, he gets himself into some rather sticky situations. Silston being a prime example where he made contact with Bennett Viscal. Unfortunately, it was just one of those days for him. Do you agree, LA? Do you think that's, uh, you know, do you think the penalty was fair enough? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he wasn't the only one to um, to be warned or to receive, you know, something about you can't just leave the track and gain an advantage across both the formulas. You know, that's been quite um, apparent this weekend. So, yeah, uh, unfortunately, sorry, uh, Jay Han, but you gained an advantage and, uh, you know, you got your five second penalty and it did drop him all the way down, which was a sort of a shame. It was a big punishment. But again, you know, if you gain the advantage, then it's a punishment for the person. 
person you've got ahead of so you know obviously that's the reason for it but um just really quickly because i know i can't leave this alone um, <laughs> but, but a big congratulations to to armstrong you know and it was such a shame you know the, the win that you know that he got on the sprint race one and then to then be out in sprint race two was absolutely you know heartbreaking um so i'm really sorry for him for that after he just he actually showed he got his elbows out and that sprint race and showed what an amazingly great driver he is and i'm gutted to be losing dan tickton i do feel he's a formula one driver he is possibly the unluckiest formula two driver and formula one driver i've ever seen in my life he really is um and and he takes it on the chin he does a lot of moaning you know we all know that we all love his radio pieces or you love it or you hate it but um the guy is an absolute raw talent he storms through that field he comes back who Jeddah this weekend he's absolutely taking these terrifying fast circuits and you know and and he's still making the most of that bad qualifying this weekend and, and look where he's finished he's finishing the points you know so it's like pat on the back sorry to lose him going over to Formula E hopefully there may still be a little bit of a road to F1 for him at some point and we'll see him again yeah, obviously, best of luck to Dan Tickson. We're certainly going to miss him. LA is definitely going to miss him. Uh, so, and an another person that we're obviously going to be missing and, and losing, unfortunately, at the end of the season is Christian Lungard. Uh, he, again, had a penalty, a similar kind of penalty, actually, for uh, a similar kind of penalty, actually. Uh, there's Jehan Deruvela. It's really difficult, isn't it, with that complex of, of circuit, if you like, where you run off the road, you maybe outbreak yourself a little bit and you, and you, and you go off there. Um, obviously, defending against Bent Viscal. Uh, shout out to Ben Viscal, by the way, podium again this weekend. Brilliant result for him. But yeah, obviously disappointing for Lungard. Yeah, disappointing considering this was probably one of his best weekends of the season. Um, I think, unfortunately, if Johan got a penalty for something like that, then Christian had to get one as well because you can't you can't have double standards when you are deciding which drivers get penalties and which don't. It's not you don't want to look biased. And unfortunately for Christian, you know his defending of Bent Viscal was considered to be, you know, wrong, and the stewards gave him the correct gave him the correct, uh, correct penalty. It's it's a shame because, as I've said, he, he's having the best weekend of the season, arguably since Bahrain, in what's been a pretty miserable season, and he will have some confidence going into IndyCar um, in 2022. And I think that if luck had gone his way, Lungard might be challenging Piastri for the championship, although. We'll never know. It, it'll probably be something we'll be discussing here in 20, 30 years. What could Lungard have done if he had the luck go his, if the luck had gone his way? There's loads of drivers we could say that about, isn't there? And, and, and Christian Lungard is definitely one. Uh, and someone we're not going to be saying about that this weekend, for probably the first time in, in a long time, is Ralph Boschong, a podium after five years in Formula 2. Congratulations to Ralph Boschong. I'm gutted that we haven't got uh, the head of the Ralph Boschong fan club, Jim Kimberley, with us uh, to, today. Uh, but, <laughs> Lawrence, over to you. You know, massive well done to, to, to Ralph Boschong, right? We're thoroughly deserved. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's great to see that. I think I think everyone will be pleased to see to see Ralph up on the on the podium finally after after such a long time. And he's you know he's not had an easy journey in this sport. So many times he's had issues with funding. Um, so the fact that he's managed to prevail against that to get to this point and achieve a podium today, I think that's brilliant for him. Um, 
you know he's he has been delivering this season he's had some some really good drives and some impressive results uh, he had an awful sprint race first sprint race um perhaps issues with managing the tires um you know made it back to p9 sprint race two um and yeah was finally reward rewarded for years of efforts in his feature race um and also rewarded for that great qualifying position which allowed him to to make up those positions um so yeah it's really really good to see that from ralph boshung and that will give him confidence going into the final round and then also with having his seat confirmed for next season i think um, it's a situation where if he can be a bit more secure in that seat next season, if there aren't the same financial worries, then that could really do great things for his performance. We've seen, you know, for for several drivers when they get two year contracts as opposed to one year, when they have a bit more certainty in their future, how their performance can come on leaps and bounds. Um, so hopefully we can see that in in Ralph soon. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully the first of many. You know what I thought was typical was Ralph Boschon finally gets a podium in Formula 2. We didn't actually get to see it because uh, the race kind of finished uh, bang on when Formula 1 was starting, the programme was starting. I mean, we definitely didn't see it on Sky Sports. I don't know whether it was shown on uh, F1 TV or not. But uh, yeah, typical for Ralph Boschon that was. But there you go. Uh, let's move and talk about the battle of the rookies then obviously not necessarily the rookies for the overall season but the rookies for this weekend four new rookies uh this weekend in formula two obviously making the step up from formula three and jack doon probably had the standout weekend didn't he how impressed were you uh by him uh LA? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, he's done the F3 season, as we know, um, for Trident, and he's been really, really successful in that. He came a very close second uh, at the end to, to Dennis Haug, and um, he was only 26 points away from winning that championship himself. So, you know, don't underestimate this young rookie that, that we just got, well, unofficially a rookie, that we've, you know, we've just um, acquired in Formula 2. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's a good... He's He's a good driver and we all know that, you know, um, it's good to see him at MP, um, you know, motorsports. And uh, do we know if he's actually going to be uh, with us next season in Formula 2 or is that being confirmed? Are we just going to see him for this couple of weekends? He's, there's public, I think, um, Auto Hebdo have rumoured that he'll be going to, I believe it'll be Virtuosi, although don't quote me on that. It's the rumours are okay. swirling around. All right. Well, it'd be good. It'd be good, you know, to see him. I mean, it is even in practice, you know, he got 11th, which is quite admirable, you know, in the middle of all the other guys bang in the middle qualified 16th, you know, not amazing. Um, but then and got his 11th in sprint race one, but got a P5 in sprint race two and, you know, got some points in his first race. What's what's not there to like? Yeah, great weekend from Jack Doohan. Looking forward to seeing him back, hopefully next season. Uh, and obviously, three other rookies in the field. Ed, Logan Sargent, who had a, a difficult uh, weekend up until the feature race. We'll be a bit of him in the feature race, didn't we? Making a couple of moves. Uh, Ollie Caldwell, who had a difficult weekend. And Clement Novelak, who had a pretty eventful weekend, didn't he? Uh, you know, a good qualifying session. Hit the wall in, in sprint race two, locked the rears. Uh, yeah, difficult weekend for, for maybe all three of them, Ed. A real baptism of fire uh, for all three drivers. Novelak had a good qualifying, but kind of threw it away with that clumsy attempt on Armstrong in sprint race two. Apart from that, a decent weekend for him. Coldwell wiped out in feature race with that accident with Samaya. Not really much he could have done. 
uh, to avoid him. And it was a bit of a difficult weekend from then on. A difficult weekend from him anyway, considering he was near the back. Sergeant, you know, the pressure was really off him. I think he knows that he's going somewhere a little bit quicker next year than HWA. And, you know, a real nightmare, but a real nightmare start by crashing in practice. He had one goal that was beat to Lesio de Leder, and he did just that. And, you know, I think he will take the lessons learned from this weekend into Abu Dhabi. I think, yeah, he didn't have a particularly good weekend, but it's all about learning and he won't, he'll be better prepared for Abu Dhabi. So all three have had a pretty rough ride, but I think they'll come back stronger uh, in a week's time. You learn from your mistakes, right, Lawrence? It's uh, a learning curve for them all. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the great thing for those drivers is they get to have that learning curve now, this weekend and next weekend. They get a whole winter to go away with the teams and do proper preparation for next season, um, by which time they should be be ready and up and running. We've seen what rookies can do in their first season of Formula 2 with the way that Oscar Piastri has performed. Like LA said, Jack Doohan in particular is a real talent. Um, so with this sort of head start with these two races, these guys can hopefully put together a really solid Formula 2 season next year. Yeah, we look forward to seeing them with us next year then. OK, that's all we have time for today. Thank you to Lawrence, to LA and to Ed for joining us on today's show. Thanks to you guys at home for joining us as well. If you've enjoyed the show, please make sure you give it a, a like, subscribe for more of the F2 show and loads of other stuff that we do. Keep an eye out for our preview of Abu, Abu, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi, we get there. Abu Dhabi uh, next week, which will be out at the early part of next week. So keep an eye out for that. But from me, Fraser Ford, and all of us are here at Inside F2. We'll see you next time.